Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses starting at verse 1, and it says this, And Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, Does everybody know who Ahab is? This is Jezebel's husband that he's speaking to. He says, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. You ought to be careful, especially those of you who are prophetic. Be careful what you say. Look at somebody and say, be careful what you release out of your mouth. Look at somebody else and say, your words have power. And so due to this one verse of scripture through Elijah's prophetic declaration, there was no rain on the earth for three and a half years. Does everybody get that? We're going to go now to 1 Kings chapter 18. So just a chapter later, uh, Elijah reverses the curse, so to speak. And he says this starting at verse, verse 41 through 46. Then Elijah said, to them, go up and eat and drink. Now, here's why I'm here, right here, this next verse. For there is the sound of the abundance of rain. Everybody say, for there is a sound of the abundance of rain. And so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he bowed down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. And so he went up and looked. And he said, there is nothing. Look at somebody and say, look again. Come on, say, look again. So his servant said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. And it came to pass on the seventh time, he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. Oh, I feel the Lord. And so he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds, kind of like this morning. Black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. And so Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. And then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. You may have your seats. Today I want to minister from a subject entitled The Latter Rain. Everybody say the latter rain. rain. You know, clouds are extremely important. Clouds can mean many different things to people. It depends on who you're talking to. To the guy who's praying for his tomatoes next door and the guy who's trying to paint a house like me, clouds represent two completely different things. If someone is at the theme park, clouds are not a very good sign at all. It's simply a sign that you're about to have a really bad day at Disney World if you like Disney. But if your grass is dying or you're a farmer, 
or a water buffalo on the Serengeti in Africa, you get really happy. Amen? Clouds are significant. And, and I, the bottom line is this, that when clouds are a sign, when you, when you see clouds, when you, when you see darkness, it, this is the sign. It's a sign that something is on its way, and that's called rain. Everybody say rain. And when I look over these past two and a half years, and I look at not just society, but the spiritual climate uh, that has been looming, not just America, but the globe, there have been clouds. There have been dark clouds. Now, I am spiritually speaking. Say spiritually speaking. There has been trouble. There's been chaos. There's been COVID. I'm kind of rhyming there, aren't I? There's been sickness. There's been shutdowns. There have been lots of poverty. There's been uh, people being let go from their jobs. There's all kinds of clouds. Clouds represent a lot of different things. For some people, clouds don't represent a job loss. It represents depression in their life. For some people who love to talk politics, their clouds have been the government or who's supposedly running the nation right now. Amen? But, but I love what Joel says when I go to Joel chapter 2, which is one of my favorite scriptures. He talks about rain as well. He's talking, and I believe that this correlates with uh, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, maybe up on the screen. In Joel chapter 2, verse 23, he says this, be glad then. Look at somebody and say, be glad. Say, don't be sad. Say, be glad you children of Zion, Zion simply means praise, say praise, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Say spiritually speaking. It's funny to say that we're in the first month, but I believe in the Jewish calendar, the first month actually represents springtime, but for uh, for the topic's sake, we're going we're gonna to look at the first month as now. Come on, somebody say, send the rain, Lord. Send the rain. So, so this is Joel the prophet declaring this. Everybody say, Joel. I like the church to talk back to me if you wonder why I get you to repeat. So Joel is a prophet in the Old Testament. And, and this, one of these scriptures that I hit, one of his scriptures are quoted, actually it's verse 22, in the New Testament. And it's a, at a very pivotal point of the church. This is after... Uh, the latter rain, does everybody know what the latter rain means, spiritually speaking? It means uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what happened in the book of Acts. We would call this Pentecost. Everybody say penta. Penta means 50, meaning 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit was poured out in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. And once the Holy Spirit is poured out, people start speaking in tongues. Society begins to think that the Acts church is drunk with wine. And Peter says, quotes Joel chapter 2. He says this. He said, these are not drunk with wine as you suppose, but these are filled with the Holy Spirit. This was what was spoken of the prophet Joel. Come on, I'm quoting the scriptures here. He says it in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. I'll read it. And I'm kind of dumping a lot of scripture on you because I want to give you guys some context about the latter rain. It says, but Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Everybody say, listen up. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Everybody say, let it rain. 
I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters. Let me just rewind because you guys didn't shout right there. Only the ministers I will pour out my spirit upon. Only the clergy I will pour out my spirit upon. Only the bishops, only the apostles, only the prophets. It shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit, says God, on all flesh. Look at somebody and say, that means you. I will pour out on my spirit on all flesh, like at Azusa. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. That should make some of you older men happy. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. One thing I want to note right here is that before that latter rain came, the church had to wait. I know there's been a lot of prophecies. And let's, let's just say this. Ever since all of this has been happening, I don't use the holy pulpit, at least not much at all, to talk about governmental things. Uh, but there has been lots of prophecies released through prophetic voices. Can we, can everybody say amen to that? Have you seen that? Or am I the only one who sees everybody has turned into a barbershop bishop uh, in the past couple of years and parking lot preachers and you know, everybody seems to be an ordained minister and has the word of the Lord. Now, I'm not discounting that, but, but I believe that there are some valid words that have been given. Listen, there are bad doctors and there are good ones. Come on, if you visited a few doctors, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are bad car salesmen and there are good ones. There's great ministers and there's some that are not so great. So we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I, I believe that er, many things that have been prophesied as it relates to God doing something significant in the earth in the days in which we're living in is valid. And, and the disciples, uh, before this outpouring took place, there was a waiting period that had to happen. Just because something takes a long time doesn't mean that not, God's not going to do it. This is why you cannot give up hope in whatever it is that you're believing the Lord for in your life. Whether it's healing in your body, whether it's some type of breakthrough, whether it's a promise that God has made you, something that he's spoken to your heart, you cannot give up easily. There is a waiting period that God will allow every saint, every believer, every Christian to go through. And I don't know exactly why he does this, but I know that God does test our faith. And our faith is tested immensely when there's great long seasons of waiting. Because waiting does something to the individual. Waiting does something, I said. I said waiting does something. Waiting, believe it or not, grows our faith. How does it grow our faith? Because when God allows you to get to a certain breaking point when he hasn't answered that prayer, and you get to a point where you don't care how you look when you come to church, Come on, you don't worry about how your suit looks or your, your shirt looks or you don't worry about your belt buckle being straight and you, don't, you just don't care about any of those things and you just get to the point where you're like, God, you're gonna do it whenever you're gonna do it. And at that point, genuinely, come, when you come to the end of yourself, gen, genu, uh, excuse me, uh, generally, that's when God breaks through. Because waiting does something to the individual because when he ends up breaking through in that area, you know that nobody can get the credit but God. Not your prayers, not your fasting, not your prayer partner. Maybe they have contributed to what God has done, but ultimately only God will receive the praise because you know he's the only one who could have done it and accomplished it. Say amen. amen. 
So God will allow you to wait. And I believe that the church has been in a waiting period. I don't know if you've ever, you've seen it, but even after the 90s, there were all these great revivals, these great outpourings that were happening. But for the past over decade to 15 years, there has been this, uh, this waiting room that the body of Christ has been in. Am I the only one who has seen it, Rick? Like this waiting room, like, man, why aren't those healings taking place like in the days of old? Why aren't those meetings, like, you, you kind of get to a place where you're going through the church motions if you've been in church for a long time. I've been in church for like over 20 years now. You kind of you get tired of the mundane. You, you, you get to this place where you become spiritually hungry for something more than what you've seen. I'm the only one in this place. Is anybody hungry for the move of the Spirit? Anybody hungry for something more than just lights and church and regular meetings? Well, I believe that we are on the brink of something great. So one of my encouragements to you this morning, whether it's your own promise that you're waiting on the Lord for, or whether it's what you're wanting to see God do globally, don't give up hope. I believe that the church is living in the greatest days right now, and we have to be patient before God breaks through. Amen? You got to hold on to the horns of the altar. Look at somebody and say, don't give up hope. I love what James chapter five says in verse seven in the New King James Version. It says this, therefore, brethren, be patient until the coming of the Lord. Look at somebody and say, be patient. Be patient with the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter Rain. Everybody say the latter rain. I watched this movie not too long ago. Who has ever seen this movie called Mully? It's, it's a funny name. Some of you are like, what is Mully? Mully is a true story about a man from Africa. He's African-American. It's a true story. You ought to see it. Mully, M-U-L-L-Y. And it's a true story about the biggest orphanage. The, the subtitle of the movie is called The, the uh, Largest Family uh, of the World, I believe it is. The World's Largest Family. And it's an orphanage that's comprised of several thousand young people. And uh, it's an amazing story because there was a man, who, he's a businessman, who walks into, he's going to walk into a business meeting downtown, and he passes a couple of troubled teens and these teens ask him for money, and he turns his back on the teens. Well, when he comes out of his business meeting, his car is missing. There's only glass on the ground. The teens broke into his car and stole his car. And for the next several days, this man named Mully is plagued with the thoughts of, why didn't I give these kids money? And most of you would be mad and be calling the police. But Mully was plagued with the thought, like, why didn't I do something? about it because Mully was a millionaire and Mully was an orphan for over 10 years on the streets and his mom and his dad and his whole tribe had left him when he was about six years old and he was on the streets for over 10 years. I believe it was 13 years living on the streets as a beggar and he was just running the streets, stealing and uh, doing whatever he could to survive. And so the Lord touched his heart and the short of the story is is Mully, he, he, sell, he sells his business. He gives away his business. He walks away from his business. And he uses all of his millions of dollars that he had stored up, and he starts this orphanage and funds his own orphanage in Africa. Here's the profound thing about the story. Everybody say, ladder rain. Here's the profound thing about the story. 
is that he goes into the middle of a desert, and he only has a few leaders, young kids in their teens, and he goes into a place that looks like a desert space. There's nothing, absolutely nothing that's there. Say nothing. But dirt and clay. Molly only has a word from the Lord. And so he goes in the middle of this desert, and, and, he, and he begins to build uh, all of these panels. What do we call them? Solar panels and all of these greenhouses. And he has this idea that he is going to uh, build a place that is self-sustaining, that can sustain its own food. The only problem is, is that in the middle of the desert, and where there is desert, there is no water or there's no rain. And so Molly gets the word of the Lord one night when he's walking with his wife. He's walking through the desert and he's like, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do. You told me that this is the spot. And he's walking and he says, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and says, I want you to dig here. Isn't that just like God? Some of you have been praying, and, I, and I, this wasn't in my notes anywhere, but some of you have been praying whether or not that God wants you in this specific season, wherever you're finding yourself in. Do you want me to move? Do you want me to change jobs? Do you want me to leave this relationship? Do you want me to leave this church? Lord, it seems like desert is everywhere. And the reason why God is not speaking to you is because he wants you to dig where you are. Oh, I know it doesn't get many shouts these days because it requires something from us. Look at somebody and say, dig where you are. Isn't it just like God to tell you to dig where you are in the midst of a hard relationship or a hard marriage? Isn't it, isn't it funny how God will tell you to stick it out where it seems hard, where your boss is hard and he's not such a nice person? Isn't it funny how God will tell you to stay at a church that doesn't seem to be moving or progressing? Isn't it funny how God will tell you to stay in a position, not to move? Here's why God does things like that. Because it requires your faith. It doesn't require faith to move to somewhere that's more prosperous. It requires to faith to stay somewhere where it's dry and where there is hard ground. Because when God breaks through and he brings up that well, when you tap into it, only he can get the credit. And you have the innate uh, uh, privilege to say, look at what the Lord has done. Amen. Look at somebody and say, dig where you are. And so he's walking through this desert, and the Holy Spirit says to him, I want you to dig right here. Now, I would have got excited. He was excited. And so were all of his buddies and his leaders as they got their shovel, and they begin to dig. And day one went by, and they were about 12 feet down, and Day two went by, and they were all still excited. You know, they were dancing and digging, and they would take turns because Molly had the word of the Lord. But day after day after day went by, and all of the guys began to leave him. And say, they called him Father. They said, Father, because they had no dad. They said, Father, we don't know if you've truly heard from God. And so everybody began to leave him. I mean, wouldn't you think it's crazy to be in the middle of the desert digging day after day, sweating? Some of the guys were overheated, and many of them were, were getting, um, you know, uh, dehydrated from not having any water. And there's one guy, the last kid that sticks around, keeps digging for Mully, and Mully says, just give me, just give me, just dig for another more hour or so. And the kid keeps digging. And ultimately, the kid hits the water, and they're able to build a well in this place. And now it's one, known to be one of the largest self-sustaining agricultural uh, provinces in Africa. I'm talking about miles of, 
uh, architectural, excuse me, agricultural, what do they call them, greenhouses, where they grow their own food, their carrots, their green beans, and it's all self-sustaining. And so you cannot get discouraged when you find yourself in desert seasons. This is what God uses to build and develop your faith. And too oftentimes, people put down their shovel when the Holy Spirit is telling you to keep digging. And God oftentimes doesn't speak to us because he doesn't want us to move. Listen, God is sovereign and the Holy Spirit speaks and you have to trust that the Holy Spirit has the ability to lead you or to give you the command if you're not in the right place. But let me tell you something, church. If God hasn't told you to move in whatever area that you, it is that you found yourself, listen, do not move. Keep digging where God has planted you in Jesus' mighty name. I love in Zechariah when it says this, Zechariah chapter 10. Is anybody getting anything out of this? Zechariah chapter 10, verse one. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds Say flashing clouds. And he will give them showers of rain and grass for the field for everyone. Imagine if he would have left that, that province or that area. He would have missed out on one of the biggest blessings that God had for him. You have to dig where you are, Paula. Look at somebody and say, you have to dig where you are. If God said there was going to be latter rain and whatever it is that he told you, you're going to have that blessing or that breakthrough in, you have to trust that God is sovereign and that his timing is better than your timetable. Amen? And I believe that the darkness that we've been seeing in America has been leading up to something. These clouds that we have been seeing in our government, what we've been seeing personally, what we've been feeling in our spirit, man, is all a prerequisite it's a forerunner for what God is about to do as it relates to the latter rain and an outpouring of his spirit. I believe that we're about to enter into a day where churches are packed, where people aren't gonna be able to get into the doors, where there's gonna be such a flood of God's presence, where there's gonna be healings, where there's gonna be miracles, where there's gonna be signs and there's gonna be wonders. And it's gonna be operating through more than just the preachers. It's gonna be operating through people who are sitting in this room because true revival cannot be managed by one or two or even a staff. It has to be managed by the body of Christ through discipleship. I wish I had one person who agreed with me. I love this quote that I just recently ran across. Who's ever heard of David Wilkerson? David Wilkerson, mighty, mighty man of God. In 1986, there was a prophecy that was given. In 1986. And here's what he says, and I quote, I see a plague coming on the world and the bars and the churches and the government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit and out of it will spring or come a third great awakening and that will sweep America and the world. And I believe that we're living in those days right now. Many of you don't, some of you know, many of you don't know that just five weeks before the pandemic, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It was the Lord who spoke to me. He said, tell my people I'm coming. You can ask my wife this. I, I had this great encounter with the Lord who has not heard that story. I just wanna see a, a show of hands. 
The Lord had spoke to me and told me to warn his people that Sunday when I came in and warned the people of God, it was like crickets were in the room. Everybody thought I was crazy, but five weeks later, our our shutdowns begin to happen and COVID begin to run rampant. Guys, I don't know if, you know, we're going we're gonna to see the coming of our Lord Jesus uh, at the end of our personal lifetime. I, I don't know that, but he is wanting to prepare and wake, awaken the church for what is coming. We don't know when he's coming, but the Bible says, let whoever is waiting be found in faith because he's going to come as a thief in the night and it's no longer time to ride the fence. There is no fence in God's kingdom. You do know that, right? There's light and there's darkness. There's in and there's out. There's Jesus. There's the devil. There, there is no in between. You're hot or you're cold. Jesus doesn't do lukewarm. And God is awakening those who are cold in their faith in Christ. God is wanting to set you ablaze once again. And I believe that even this morning. He's wanting to wake you up in the middle of the night and put a certain scripture on your heart. He, he's wanting to so fill your heart with a passion for him that you actually shed tears when you read the scriptures once again. You're moved once again when you get into a worship service. Don't you want that? The Holy Spirit wants to, to, to fill us and ignite the church once again. Jesus didn't die for a powerless church. He died for a church and he's coming back for a church that doesn't have a spot or a wrinkle or a stain on its garment. A bride that is pure, a bride that is hungry, and a bride that is expectant for his coming. Come on, somebody ought to say amen to that. And rain is meant for one reason, one reason only. I have, my, I have an uncle. I haven't seen him in a few years. He was my father's. My father was murdered when I was nine years old, for those of you who don't, don't know. But my, my uncle, who was almost like my, my dad's twin, he looks like his twin. I think they were only a year or two apart. He does not particularly like lightning. And... Um, that's probably an understatement. Every time it would thunder and we'd be driving in his paint van and it would, uh, you know, and he's a big muscular guy. He's bigger than me. And um, every time it would thunder, he would like, you know, quake a little bit. Uh, you know, he would take on 10 guys fighting them. But if it thundered outside, he didn't like water because he couldn't swim and he didn't like thunder. So he went from being a pit bull. If, some, if somebody, you know, came across him wrong, he would be a pit bull. But if it thundered, he turned into a chihuahua. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. And my daughter, she doesn't like, my little daughter Zoe, she doesn't like thunder either. She always comes up with a new conversation before I leave the room, especially during, you know, the summer. Daddy, let's talk about this. She'll start asking me what my favorite color is. She come up with anything that she possibly can. Hey, what do you want to do tomorrow? What are we doing tomorrow? And you know, the conversation never ends, and because uh, she just doesn't like doesn't like thunder. But here's the thing: thunder and darkness is a sign that the rain is coming. The rain is coming. Everything that you're seeing in your own personal world is a sign. It's a it's a sign. What you're experiencing. In your life right now, whatever difficulty, whatever your clouds and darkness and thunder is, it is a sign. God doesn't leave his people in drought forever. He allows only extended periods of time, only periods of time where there is drought only for this reason, so that you pray for rain. So that you pray for rain, so that it drives you to your knees, so that it drives America 
to her knees, so that it drives married couples to her knees, so that it drives you who are traveling the country in a, uh, what do you call them things, uh, RVs, so it drives you to your knees, whatever it is that you're doing, so that at your job, it drives you to your knees. God will never create a life for you whereby you don't need him. We are built for rain. Why do you think we get so disappointed when the Lord's not moving in these services or in our personal lives? Because we were meant to be in a deluge of God's Holy Spirit. We were built for the rain. We were built for his glory, not to take it, but to live in it. Come on, does anybody believe that or does anybody want that with me? And rain is meant for one reason. Here's why God wants the rain more than you do. And you have to know that, that God wants rain in your life, rain in our community, rain in this church, rain in the city, rain in the state and in the nation for one reason and one reason only. And this is what's mainly on God's heart, harvest. He's after his people. And he's after you this morning. If there's any distance in your heart whatsoever, that difficulty that you're experiencing That dry spell, so to speak, is meant to do one thing and one thing only, to draw you closer to him because as you pray for the rain in your life, the idea is the Holy Spirit wants to draw you into fellowship with him. You want scripture? And guess what? He will use even the enemy to lure you into drought, to cause dependence upon him. Oh, he doesn't use the devil? He used Judas to get him to the cross. Remember when it says that Jesus went into the wilderness? He was led by the what into the wilderness? He was led by the Spirit into where? The wilderness was a what? It was a desert place? He, the Spirit, will sometimes even use the enemy to lead, be led, to, for you to be led, not by the, led by the enemy into a wilderness. Amen? Because the Lord wants you to grow dependent upon him. This morning, I had a little mini encounter. I talk about encounters a lot. I never had one in my early Christian walk. It just began to happen the past few years. But this morning, I was in prayer for over an hour. It was maybe an hour and a half. And normally, I play my worship music, and I'm seeking the Lord's face about what he wants to do in the service. I just want the mind of the Lord, and I just consecrate myself. But this morning, as I went to go put on music, The Lord said, don't put on any music. I didn't put on any music. And I found myself in this, it wasn't a fetal position, just for an hour and a half. I didn't fall asleep. I wasn't tired. Thank God for my wife's, it's called a rise. It's like a uh, non-toxic, a clean energy drink. Um, And I'm just praying. And here's what I felt As I was consecrating myself, and I was just praying, and I was seeking the mind of the Lord, I felt my will melt away, like completely. I I don't know if I've ever felt like that, because do you know what I mean? Like Sometimes when you're praying, you have your own agenda, and you're trying to get God's attention for your own agenda. You know exactly what I'm talking about? Come on, you hardy, you pray because you need to get his attention because he needs to answer you in this certain area. It wasn't like that. I do have moments like that, and God will answer many times, and sometimes he doesn't, but I felt I was in this place where my will, my, my desires completely melted away, and I felt such divine peace, such divine strength, 
And I believe that that's what God is wanting to bring us all into, this, this place of complete intimacy where we completely melt away. So we don't want to talk about dying to self anymore. We don't hear these kinds of messages too much anymore. But there is a dying to self. If we truly want to see the will of God, your will has to get out of the way completely. Catherine Coleman said it like this, not some of me and some of thee, but all of thee and none of me. We have to come to the place where there is none of us before Christ rules and reigns supreme. Amen? Somebody say, the reason for rain is for harvest. Look at somebody and say, pray for the rain. Listen what the book of Revelation says. Revelation, is everybody okay this morning? Revelation chapter 14, verses 14 through 16, it says, Then look and behold a white cloud. Everybody say harvest. A white cloud, and on one, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. And he said, thrust your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap. Everybody say harvest. For the harvest of the earth is ripe. And so he who sat on the cloud thrust his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Somebody say harvest. Somebody say it's harvest time. Listen, think about this story that I'm talking about, which is the story of Elijah, Ahab, and Jezebel. We all know for the most part, if you've been church for any length of time, what Jezebel represent, represents, a controlling spirit, somebody who uh, promotes fear, who asserts dominance through control. Come on, does everybody hear what I'm saying? And listen, so, so, so when God has a plan for latter rain, I want you to hear me. When God has a plan for you, latter rain for you, say for me, and for the world, and for the church in particular, when God has a plan for latter rain, Jezebel always shows up just like in the life of Elijah. Jezebel is a spirit of fear. Why do you think the enemy, there has been such an onslaught in our world? Because, listen, the enemy operates the same way. This is what should make it really easy for you to fight the enemy. He has the same tactics that do not change. He still uses fear. He still uses lust. He still uses temptation. He still uses these old, he's, he's an old dog with no new tricks. They're all old tricks. The same thing. And, and if you study history, you'll learn from it. That this is God's methodology. You know, before Azusa Street really hit, did you know what happened? There was a lady by the name of Maria Woodworth Etter who prophesied an earthquake was going to hit California. And that earthquake hit, and this was right before that great Azusa Street revival hit. Do you know during that Azusa Street revival, there were two people who said there was going to be a great awakening. And one of those people were William J. Seymour. And he says, just about 100 years from now, as the... Uh, Azusa Street revival was climaxing or had climaxed, he prophesied this. He said, in just about 100 years, everybody say, in about 100 years, there would be another great awakening, and we're right about there. But guess what precedes awakening? 
clouds, thunder, sometimes great fear. And, and, and I believe this. I believe this with all of my heart. The enemy has overplayed his hand. I said the enemy has overplayed his hand. Because God will use what the enemy has done to serve God's will in the earth. I said he will use the enemy's hand that he's played with COVID, with sickness, with lockdown. If you think about it, we should be taking, uh, we, should be, we should have been taking advantage this whole time of all of these lockdowns and getting sick and all of these things like the disciples took advantage of it. Come on, the Holy Spirit didn't move until they locked themselves down for 40 days. We can use everything that the enemy is using for, for our good and his glory. We can use that to spend time with the Lord, to consecrate ourselves, to separate ourselves unto him. And so what am I saying? We as a people have to do this one thing. And here's what I want you to do throughout this entire week. Will you do this for me? Pray for rain. Pray for rain. No matter how dry your season is looking right now, it could be finances, it could be spiritual, it could be relational, it could be in your mind. Pray for rain. Look at somebody and say, pray for rain. And you're probably sitting here wondering, can you stand to your feet? This is what the Lord showed me. You're probably thinking to yourself, what does rain have to do with it? This is not really applicable to my personal situation. What is this? How does this apply to my personal life, to my personal ministry, the calling of God on my life? How does this apply to my marriage? How does this apply to this dysfunction? How does this apply to this job? How does this apply to all this? Here's what the Holy Spirit, and this is related to a farmer, okay? It doesn't matter if you're believing for an apple tree, if you're a farmer, or lemons, or potatoes, or strawberries. When the rain comes, everything grows. You didn't get it. When the rain comes, everything changes. Did you hear what I said? You know what I used to pray? If you look at back at my old sermons when we first started the church, I'd give you four principles. Four principles. You got to do this, this, and this, and this before you do break, get breakthrough. I started finding out God's much more simple than that. I'd pray for my marriage. I'd pray for my finances. I prayed for the church. Lord, set them free of addiction. Lord, set this person free and help this leader, strengthen this leader, do this and do that. You know what I do now? I pray for rain. Doesn't matter what you're believing for, a marriage, an apple tree, pray for rain. What is rain? Rain represents the Holy Spirit. Rain represents revival. Rain represents an awakening, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, church. So it doesn't matter if you're believing for finances. Stop praying about your finances. Pray for rain. You don't need to pray for your business. Pray for rain. You don't need to pray for your prophetic calling. Pray for rain. You don't need to pray for your children necessarily. Just pray for rain over their lives. Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit 
over their lives. Listen, do me a favor. Don't even ask the Lord to add to the numbers of this church anymore. Do me a favor. Pray for rain. Because when he comes, people will come. If you want to pray for me, don't, don't ask the Lord to anoint me. Just tell him to send the rain to Donnie Smith. And whatever it is that's in your life that you're in need of, pray for rain. This is what... Do you really think a new president is going to change the world? You think a new job is going to... We need the rain. We need the rain. We need the Lord to pour out his spirit once again in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our communities, in our church. We have to pray for rain. And you know what? For three and a half years, I've been hearing the sound of the abundance of rain nonstop. And I've been telling his people, he's coming. The rain is coming. Revival is coming. And I still, I believe that more than I ever have before. The rain is coming and the rain is coming to your lives. And the rain is coming to those of you watching via live stream. It's coming. The rain is coming to every minister, to every small and large church. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. The rain is coming. The rain is coming. The rain's coming to your marriage. Rain's coming into your finances. The rain is coming to your body. In Jesus' mighty name, the rain's coming to your mind. Rain is coming. When Elijah prophesied it, I'm going to read it. Elijah heard something first before the rain showed up. Showed up. He heard something. Say, Lord. Come on, say, Lord, open my ears so I can hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He said there was a sound. In God's kingdom, there's always a sound before there was sight. Remember that. Remember that. There's always a sound before there was sight. He didn't see the rain. He heard the rain. And you've been hearing it again in your spirit, haven't you? You've been hearing the rain. That's the important thing. You hear it before you see it. He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.